Welcome in, welcome in, welcome to another edition of Three In, Three Out, your unique Seahawks podcast recap. I am Clinton Bonner, and I am fired up after a huge Seahawks victory, 28 to 26, versus the Steelers, who most of us Seahawks fans, well, we just we just don't like the Steelers. We 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 will not forgive. We will not forget SB40 doesn't take things away, but this sure does make things a heck of a lot better. Once again, I'm Clinton Bonner, and today I, I gotta I'm I'm over overjoyed. I am overzealous to be joined by a co-host. You might know him. You might know you might know him by by his face, by his by his, uh, his genuine smile, maybe his voice, considering this is a podcast, but joining three in three out for the first time ever. The, uh, the brand smashing new co-host, Brandon Schultz. Brandon, what's going on? Appreciate you having me on. This was an easy decision when we, we talked about the possibility of me joining your show because I, I don't have to do like any heavy lifting. I'm just here to listen in to, to what you have to say because you have the ins, you have the outs. And the best part about this, Clinton, is the Seahawks got the win. Oh, you and know what I, that means, right? I do you know, know what, what that means. means. <laughs> and there is, yeah, I'll, I'll even pass it back. Did we, as as for the new listeners out there, three in, three out is a, is a quick, fast-hitting look at three of the best things that happened to the Seahawks, things that made us go, wow, things that, you know, make us go ooh and ah. And on the other side of the ledger, just three things that keep us head scratching and just, you know, have us kind of pissed off as fans, right? And we are fanatics. Let's embrace the fanaticism of it all. But as as Brandon, as you alluded to, we have but one rule on three in, three out. And that is when we win, we start. What is it? What is it? With an in. So we get to do that. We get to do that. So for this format, it's going to be great. Going to bounce, bounce. You don't know what's coming. We didn't rehearse this. As you could probably tell, we did not rehearse this. And you're going to get a chance to, to, to hear these coming at, uh, coming at Brandon hot and heavy. And uh, we'll just go through it. You know, we'll go through the ins and the outs. So, so let, let us dive right in, shall we? All right. So this first in, I, I didn't think I'd be going here maybe the entire season, but if you follow this, you follow this podcast, you know, we love the nooks and we love the crannies. And while everybody's talking DK Metcalf and everybody's excited about Tyler Lockett's, you know, 10 targets and maybe the 10 receptions and whatever he got already. And the great job in the slot, there's a different wide receiver who on third and nine down seven, nothing in the second quarter, he gets a a big catch. And then later on in the first quarter, first and 15, Malik Turner, 30 yards downfield late in the late in quarter two. I got to give this first in to Malik. I heard you talking about this earlier in the week. What do you think about the first in going to Malik doing some, some big things? I wasn't expecting it, but the first in goes to Malik. I didn't know at what point you were going to get to Malik Turner, but Clinton, I was going to be angry with you if you didn't get to Malik Turner, because as you mentioned, this is the nooks, this is the crannies, and Malik Turner picking up a third down, a key third down in this game, and then with Russell Wilson backed up on a first and 15 after a Jerron Brown uh, block in the back penalty. I don't know if it was the first or the second block in the back. He had too many blocks yeah. in the back, but uh, getting the Seahawks out from the end zone with a th big 30 yard catch. This was kind of his breakout game. It feels like because I'm sure there are a lot of Seahawks fans going, who's Malik Turner. I didn't even know he was on this team. I thought Dave Craig wore number 17. So those folks clearly don't listen to, you know, one of your 22 podcasts uh, per week that you're putting out nowadays on field goals. And of course, with the Seahawkers podcast, but us flock, we know Malik Turner quite well, but I must admit 
throughout the off season and, and even heading into the season season, I was on the John Ursua hype train. I'm like, man, Ursua is going to be the man. And you know what? I still, I still stand by that and think he's going to get his chances. But the fact remains that Malik Turner is the one who showed up on Sunday. And it's, it's just nice to see because like week one was like all DK. There was very little Tyler Lockett besides of course the touchdown and that drop. And it was all DK this week was, we still got DK with that beautiful dime from Russell. We we got tons of locket. We got lots of beautiful love from the tight ends, but we got that third wide receiver mixed in, and it, it wasn't Brown with his with his two too many blocks to the backs. It was Malik Turner coming out of nowhere, and that was just big. It's just it's always about having those those other folds, those other places that they can go to, and other places that corners and and nickels and linebackers have to worry about. Because in game one, didn't look like there was a lot to worry about, but now already in game two. There's tape, and they'd be like, oh, who's this Malik guy? So besides the Seahawks fans knowing about this, now the Saints D coordinator also has to know about Malik Turner because now that dude's on the map. Well, and just talking about having an impact in a limited number of snaps, Malik Turner, only 16 offensive snaps. That's 20% compared to Jerron Brown, who was in there for 58 offensive snaps, 73%. And if you look at the at the end of the game, which one of these guys do do you feel had the most impact in the game? It had to be a Malik Turner. And he, you know, he's also playing on special teams, playing half of those snaps. So uh, definitely a good choice with Malik Turner out of the gate. Well, I'm I'm thrilled that the first in with you as co-host was was there to 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 warm the cockles. So stamp of approval. You got it. <laughs> there we go. That's what I'm after. All right, perfect. Let's move on to our first out. All right. So on three and three out, we have to, you know, we look at the good, but then we got to look at the bad. It's just part of the formula. It's part of what we do. And listen, I'm going to go. And sometimes I like to nitpick. It's just part of what happens, especially in a game where, yes, the final score was 28 to 26, but we were a couple of turnovers away from just blowing this game out. This game, I've never felt game, never felt out of control to me. Brandon always felt like ours to win. And, and of course we, we captured it, but the uh, and out for me was you know I know people are raving about Penny's 37 yard run and I got to give credit where credit due that's a beautiful dance number he put out there and, and showed some legit speed I got to say though my out is as Penny as a kickoff returner mm. I could not be more disappointed with what I saw with his poor judgment letting the ball bounce and the second time after that just no flash no pizzazz no no razzle dazzle no burst and just no vision as a kickoff returner which i'm sitting here going i thought penny is the guy who's the open field dynamo and you don't get much more open field than when you get a chance to return kicks so for me i really dislike the idea of penny back there as a kickoff returner and and for me that's simply like an out that i just i had to mark down and say i don't think people are going to talk about this but i don't think that dude should be back there returning kicks Honestly, Clinton, this feels personal. You you just you can't pass up an opportunity to swat down Rashad Penny when you have the opportunity. He had a, a, a good game on offense, and you're going to knock him down a peg for the couple of kick. Look, I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that running backs don't matter. Kick returners at this point do not matter. <laughs> except except when they do, right? So except when, <laughs> except when the ball lands at the one or except when the ball is only kicked to like, in, you know, one yard deep, right? Or kicked to the a kind of a caddy corner thing that they did on that that uh, that last kickoff, I believe they had. And he's catching the ball at the two yard line. So, yeah, you know, I, thought, I thought he maybe could have let that one go. And I wondered if it would have gone out of bounds. And because he had to catch it tiptoe on the sidelines and then he ends up making it what, out to the 15 or 16. I know he had only 23 return yards on two actual returns for an average of 11 and a half. Not good. 
No, not good. But again, you know what? I mean, he had a, he did have a real nice game, or he had a good game, uh, better better than I've seen uh, previously on offense. He had that beautiful touchdown. But I will say too, like late in the game, actually, it wasn't the last time they kicked off because they kicked off one more time, and Lockett was back there. I think uh, I think Coach Carolyn team also noticed that maybe maybe Penny's not the man back there, and they they put Lockett back there, which I think was the first time all year, and was something I don't think we were expecting any longer, but. But lo and behold, Lockett was back there for that last kickoff of the game. Did, did you notice that? I, I did notice that. I wondered if it was because of that return earlier on that uh, maybe they they sat him down and said, oh, it's, it's Tyler's job for the rest of this game now. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, you know, I know that's nitpicky, but, you know, sometimes when, when you win, and I felt it was actually pretty dominant victory, the, the outs do get nitpicky. So, hey, Penny, you know, one of these days you'll make the inside. It just won't be today. All right, Flock, let me paint this one for you. So it's it's first and 10. It's late in, in the first quarter. And there was this little period where, where uh, Snell from, from Pittsburgh had like that big gain up the middle. And, you know, it wasn't, wasn't Samuels. Connor's still in the game, but their third back Snell has kind of an explosive run up the middle. Something, you know, some 15, 20 yards. And, and, and Steelers are, are moving the ball. I'm like, oh, man, they're they're starting to move us a little bit, which was, you know, a bit shocking because earlier in the game, we were pretty much shutting everything down the run. We did a very nice job across the board, I felt like. But the play, I think it's directly after that play, after the big snail, if you're watching like a recap, there's a play where Kendricks, who I thought was like a madman, like thought Kendricks was all over the field. So the end, giving that away, is going to Kendricks. But specifically, is a play where Kendricks is playing up by the line. He sets the edge. So like the left side of the offensive line, right, you know, uh, towards our screen if we're watching he sets the edge it's either a tight end or just you know just one of the linemen and he just frames the guy up and then he sees the running back coming through the hole that that, that they were trying to kick him out and he actually does a spin move backwards he literally turns all the way backwards and fires his like right forearm right into the chest of the running back and cold stops the running back just enough so that the other players can make a tackle like on the interior. But it was this hyper-athletic play. And Kendricks, I think, was kind of playing a bit out of his brain. He looked really active out there. But if you have a chance to go back and watch this one particular play, I don't think I've ever seen a dude just like take on his guy, recognize that a hole was was still kind of there, and then like, like you know, Hassan chop his way with this beautiful tornado spin move. It was like WWF, not even, you know, beyond WWE before that old school style, right to the chest, just body slaps the dude and just stops the running back in his tracks. And he gets like only like a yard or two where if he doesn't make that play, doesn't have the sense to kind of do this, this Hassan chop, he could be up for five, six, seven, ten yards. And it was just a, this, it was just a beautiful play by Kendricks. And I've gone on enough about it, but do you recall that play? I know it's, I know it's quite specific. Yes. He holds, he ends up holding Connor to just one yard and you're right. It was right after that 23 yard run by Benny Snell. It gets you excited about, you know, what they have at the linebacking core, because every single one of those guys had memorable tackles. You know, it wasn't just that Kendrick's tackle on Connor that you're talking about with that one move. He had the one Kendrick's had the one play where he just absolutely destroyed James Connor on the outside. And you had big plays by Bobby. You had uh, the fingertip tackle by KJ Wright. (laughs) 
That was that's a yeah, very very kind of you to put it that way. He wanted he wanted to hold his hand. He wanted to go steady. He wanted you know, he wanted to juju out for a little a little ice cream, a little a triple scoop, a little peanut butter sauce, and see how it goes. And and he but it was that I've never seen that either. You seen dudes? I've get, never seen that. Know, <laughs> never, never. And you would think that Juju would disengage, you know, uh, freely, but I guess he just couldn't. It would just, they were just landlocked. It was per- pretty, pretty hysterical. Nobody wanted to let go. Yeah. <laughs> there are moments like that, right? We just, we just want to hold each other just for a little longer. It's okay. Um, but you're right. The linebackers really, really showed out throughout the entire game. And yes, there's some talk about, you know, uh, how much are we going to use the, three, the, the base defense and how often are we going to have three linebackers out there? I get all that. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought when I, I don't have, I don't have a queued up to talk about Taylor, but I thought Taylor made a couple of really nice plays. So when he was in it, nickel, I thought he made some great plays down the sideline that could have got him on the in column. But if you're going to play base a lot and you're going to play three linebackers a lot, man, I can't think about three dudes that you want to have out there more often than the three guys we got. All right, so we're going to flip back over to the outside of the ledger. And this was kind of like persistent from the week before also. It's kind of something that stuck out to me. And I was sitting there going, hmm, like what? Is this a pattern? You know, you see it you see it once and you start scratching your head. You see it a second week in a row and you're like, maybe something's up here. And, and I'll get right to it. This is in the second half. It's just a lack of pass rush in the second half of the game. Now, last week at, the, at towards the very end, we kind of picked up the steam and won the game with that green, uh, you know, strip sack fumble, maybe and all that already. But this week, it just wasn't it didn't seem to manifest itself. It seemed like we were maybe getting a little bit tired towards the end and we we're just losing some steam. And I realize we're not full, you know, we're not full bore yet. I realize it's Collier's first game and I realize, you know, uh, Clowney's just still getting acclimated. But I was a little underwhelmed with the lack of pass rush in the second half of this ball game. So anything anything in particular standing out to you there, Brandon? Well, with Mason Rudolph, it was definitely, they didn't seem to really get after him as much. And I wonder if it's just kind of that same thing as this isn't the guy that you game plan for. So you're just standing back and see if he's going to make some kind of young quarterback type mistake. And apart from the ball going off the fingertips of Dante Moncrief, who I I like your description of the fact that he has trash bags for hands. Uh, (laughs) He ain't good. Yeah, he ain't good. You know, (laughs) I think that describes him accurately and and probably how Pittsburgh Steelers fans are feeling after that. So I, I agree. And just looking at the numbers, it bears out to the eye test, too. Out of 20 dropbacks for Mason Rudolph, he was only under pressure five times. Only two completions for 16 yards. So, you know, completion percentage of 40% compared to up over 70 when he was no pressure. The fact that you had a young quarterback out there, it was just begging to to send some pressure his way and that they didn't, it, it was disappointing. Yeah, I mean, just and if it's not happening with the front four or you know or, or fifth dude, then then I think you're in a position where you can do some of the you know the more exotic things and like I don't know, send the cornerback, like just do do some of those things where you can take a bit of a risk. Especially, again, I, I felt I felt the game was pretty much ours, and, and we did try to give it away a bit, but I felt that you know without Ben in there, that game, that game was ours to win. And, and we were just a better team up and down the field. And if you look at the stats, look at time of possession, look at total yards. It's, it's pretty quite clear that that Seattle was the dominant team uh, through and through on Sunday. And, and yet I'm sitting there going, man, like 
I, I just want a bit more, especially you got that young, you got that, that young quarterback, that fresh pup in there. Get some dudes, get some dudes in his face, send an extra body or two. If it's not happening, but put the front four. So for me, that was just a big, that was a big glaring out because, well, you know, now we got, we got the, the good luck and it's, it's a, it's a crappy break for, for Saints fans. And, and we wish Breeze a healthy return. Dude's a first bout hall of famer. But we got the good luck of not having to face a another another Hall of Fame quarterback next week. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is you know he's a professional, he's he's a good QB, but you know, but Drew Brees he ain't. So I'm I'm just thirsty to to crank that crank that up, and I'm super hopeful that Ziggy can make it back for next week and and kind of get us that extra push that gets us consistency throughout the entire game with our pass rush. Well, according to Pete Carroll, it does sound like Ziggy is planning on making his what do you call that <laughs> debut a debut. I'm going to go with debut. You, you want to go, you want to go with the word. That is the word. Gotcha. Yeah. The, the debut. Yeah. And I'm fired up for that. So hopefully next week it's something completely different and, and that's on the inside. And we're talking about, you know, Clowney and Ziggy being disruptive the entire game. But for now, that's the second out and I'm okay with that. But at the same time, I think this is probably going to be you're out next week too, because you know, I, I, I just have a feeling that they're going to treat Bridgewater the same way that they treated Rudolph and the same way that they treated Andy Dalton. So be prepared. Yeah, I, I will be. And your point is well taken too. It's like, are they just kind of sitting back? Cause they're not ultimately like, okay, this is Mahomes. You know, like we have to do this. We have to get this guy off his rhythm where they're just like, well, you can keep it in front of us because yards don't matter, but they're not going to put up six. They're not, they're not going to score touchdowns. So we shall see. We shall see. But uh, hopefully, hopefully you're wrong and, and I'm more right. And, and we <laughs> and we get some of that next week. I'm rooting right. for you to be right, Clinton. And I'm also rooting to see uh, what you have for this last in as we close out the show. And we're going to get to it right after the break. All right, for the last in, this one is a bit a bit wider in its aperture and its stance, if you will. It builds up to a large pyramid of Giza pointing towards the sky. But overall, Brandon, I was just enamored with what I would call this quick strike offense. Like the ability, I don't, all I heard was that Russell Wilson can't throw a ball over the middle. You know, mm. just he can't he can't do it. It's got to be twenty yards downfield. It's got to be stretch plays. Uh, and he doesn't have the ability to do what are essentially tight end dumps, right? The easiest play with the first play you learn in like junior high school playing is like, that's a tight end dump, run five yards, sit in the zone, turn around. We did that over and over and over again. And the ability to get the ball out, get the ball out quickly and specifically to make these halftime adjustments. So the in last, last week, I put a big, O, the scarlet letter around shoddy. I think I got to take that off and just, or just refabricate that and say shoddy gets the in. That quick strikes and the ability to, to hit over the middle to tight ends and hit the slot over the middle over and over again. Even on second and 10, on second and 10, we threw the ball and we gained. What? what? Yes, I, 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 I didn't believe that you know teams could do this because I don't watch anything outside of the Seahawks, of course. I'm that kind of fan. This is a lie. But like second and 10, we throw the ball. We get eight yards and, it was, and then it was third and two. And then you know what happened on third and two, Brandon? I don't know if you remember. I think they ran the ball for first down. We ran the ball for, we converted on a third and short. That wasn't a third and 16 with some holding penalty and everything else, you know, backing us up. And it was just so exciting to see this, this quick strike offense. And then today on Twitter, even just a bit ago, I think it was Bob Condotta uh, posting that Carol was talking about this in the post game saying, 
we need, he actually, I think, used the word need to do, to, that needs to be how the offense runs going forward with, with, the, with that idea of quick strike and the ability to get things in the intermediary, which is amazing. And what, what you're feeling about the, the, the brand new Seahawks offense that clearly is going to, you know, that, that's how we're doing it from now on. Well, what do you think? Yeah, it, that's, that'd be great if that's where it ended up going. I have my, I, I'm a little bit hesitant to think that that's ultimately where they're going to end up because we were, I felt, I feel like we were teased by it. We had that stretch run that second half of 2015 where that, yes. that first half of 2015, they had such a hard time protecting Russell Wilson and it kind of the way the line play was against Pittsburgh in the first half. It kind of took you back to that first half of 2015 where, gosh, whether it was a Fetty or DJ Fluker, it was just the whole right side of the line. Vanette had trouble blocking, you know, they needed to make a change. And ultimately, I was happy to see him make that change in the second half. I, I mentioned it in the postgame reaction show that I thought that the Seahawks' best drive of the day was when that they went up on the Rashad Penny 37-yard run because ahead of that, you know, there were no penalties. Then it was in you know, a quick strike to Carson, a quick strike to Lockett, and they went run to Carson, and then they passed to him, and then another pass to Lockett, and then that set up that 37-yard run. So it, uh, it just, that drive felt good to me, and there weren't any big plays, really, apart from that final uh, explosive touchdown run by Penny. 100%. I believe they call it like a clean sheet. I know it's used differently in, in soccer or football for those out there, but like it felt that way. Like usually we got the, the two steps forward, one step back, you know, opposites attract. We got, we got Paula Abdul. We got that, that awesome cat singing and dancing with us. Was he a, he's a cat, I believe, it was right? A cat, yeah. It was a cat, right? He has a name too. It's like, it's DJ something or other, someone, <laughs> someone out there, someone out there could pull that. But usually that's our drives, even our scoring drives. And of, of course, the drives that do stall out are those we end up in third and 16. But you're right. We had that we had that clean sheet. And I think it's, you know, certainly part partly because of those those shorter, you know, five, 10 yard plays that we're getting on first down, which is just a uh, beautiful cause, I believe, of having the New England Patriots kind of show the Seahawks the week before, hey, they don't cover this part of the field particularly well. You might want to do what we just did. And though it was a bit different, it was certainly more like the Patriots offense than we have been since 2015. And that's exciting. So is Jermaine Effetti, Paula Abdul, or MC Scat Cat? I, I just want to get it straight. So remember the trash can in the video that they like <laughs> pound on and dance around? That's a Fetty. But actually, you know what? That's it's a good it's a good segue right directly into our, our third out. The third out for me, and again, this is something that I know other folks are going to talk about. It's not a Fetty. Mm. It is it is the pass protection. But going back and watching this, like I know people, I know nothing burns like an effigy. I, I know this, and people like to create the effigy of a Fetty, which which is pretty remarkable about the the onomatopoeia going on there. But <laughs> but the thing but the thing is that Fluker was kind of the man to blame on a lot of this. And you mentioned Vanette, Vanette, Vanette. Vanette's supposed to be this dude who's just he's a really good blocker. Certainly didn't show up on Sunday. But I thought Fluker had the weakest game that there was that that was out there for the offensive line. I mean, I think that that uh, that stunt where uh, where TJ gets home, Fluker just stays with his dude way too long, and then to it made Fluker look like silly. You know, he just he looked like he wasn't able to keep up 
whatsoever. And I know too, it's a nice player, but you know, Aaron Donald, he is not. So it, it was a very, very frustrating to be like, okay, this is supposed to be this, this line is supposed to be gelling, supposed to be really, really coming together. That's together. And, and, you know, you potty's out there and I thought he looked pretty good, but I, I got to say the out for me was like, that's flukers. Flukers to own the pass pro was just not there. I know it got cleaned up in the second half quite a bit, but I thought Fluker was, was really, really just an underperformer throughout this entire game. What are your thoughts on him? Turkeys are for bowling. They aren't for interior defensive linemen. And Tuit had a turkey with, with the sacks on Russell Wilson. And yes, if anyone's to blame for that, you got to point the finger at DJ Fluker. And I feel like there were so many fingers going toward Fetty's direction that it, you have to at least say, yes, he has the history, but you can say that Fluker had a bad game. Exactly. And, and, and though, you know, I really, I do want to say, I really appreciate you going bowling. I probably would have went with hat trick, but I understand that I just, I, I got the love for the bowling as well. So I just want to give you a hat tip for, you know, bringing out the, uh, the, the turkey and that do you, do you know uh, what it's called when you get four in a row? Are you familiar? Oh, are we, are we sticking with bowling or is there a, a four for hockey too? Oh, no, no. I don't know what the hell you call it in hockey. No, no. This is this is strictly up my mask. Because I feel like a defensive lineman in Turkey just goes well together. It, it surely does. You know, you know what? It's really nice together when Russ and Sherman are, are holding up giant turkey and they're they're running off of a candlestick over there. That's that's what good memory. Goes it is. It's a good it's it's a very nice memory. I'm not pulling the, I'm not pulling the four strikes in a row right now. But as soon as you tell me, I, I know I'm going to just regret it. Not, not no, knowing. No, it's, a, it's a pretty simple one. They call it a four bagger. That's 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 what they call it. Nope, I I've never they, heard it. I, t- I take it back. I've, I've never heard it called a four bagger. <laughs> Well, next time, just get better at bowling. That's all. (laughs) All right, Flock. So if you made it this far, well, first of all, thank you. And uh, we hope you have better things to do tomorrow. But... But in three and three out, we really want to show some love. We always like to, we have this section we call from the flock. And for those that don't know the Seahawkers podcast, they have an amazing, amazing Facebook group out there. It's the Seahawkers pod ring of honor that of course you can get into as well. And we go right to that ring of honor. We, we just, we source some of the great ins and the outs that they saw throughout the game. So the first one I want to give some love to this guy, Vincent Parker, Vincent's a funny dude. He's always out there on the ring of honor, you know, sharing lots of uh, amusing things, I would say. And Vincent came up with a good one. He goes back to the the KJ Wright tackling Juju. He goes, this is my end. He goes, because of love, and it's okay to hold hands. That from Vincent Parker was was his big end. You know what? Love is love. Always good to share share the love on the football field, outside the football field, inside the lines, outside the lines. That's a great one from Vincent. So appreciate that big end and, and really uh, really enjoying you bringing, bringing the extra love to, to your sentiment. Thank you so much. Got one here from Lisa in Seattle who says, in Uncle freaking Will with the two touchdowns in the game. He was the leading PFF scorer, uh, pro football focus. Marked him as uh, the top one of the top guy on offense for the Seahawks in this game. So congrats to to Uncle Will showing out in uh, not just among the uh, with the two touchdowns, but getting ranked highly a 92.2 an elite score for a tight end by pro football focus. Not bad for a dude who blew out his knee, you know, early last year. Oh, right? so, so good to have him back. Yeah, the dude, the dude, it's great. He's still, he's still so under the radar. People don't know him yet. It's one of those things. And and I'm getting texts during the game from Redskins fans and from other fans. Like, like they're like, Will Disley? <laughs> Question mark. I'm like, yeah, Will, you know, MF and Disley. That's, that's absolutely correct. Like, you know, he, he should have been my end too, because 
when I went on behind the steel curtain with the Steelers guys, they're like, who are some of the unknown guys that we should know about? And Will Disley was one of the guys I brought up. So I, I feel I feel like he, you know, he's making me look good now by bringing him up on the Steelers show and then coming out with a big game. Uh, you know, I know, I know everybody, I know everybody else is listening to this, but for those, well, I guess it's for me. I'm, I'm the only one who could see Brandon right now. You should see the beaming, the, the man, the man is behind the microphone. The cheeks are red. It's not because of the alcohol. The man's just happy. He's beaming. He's smiling through his teeth, talking about uncle will because the passion is real. That, well, and he's a, a Montana guy. He is from Montana. So I, I have that connection. That makes, it makes a ton of sense. Those, those things all check out. So I'm going to flip over to, you know, to, uh, to Hong Kong Hawk, Dave Bloomquist, Bloomy, as we all know him. So this one I, I particularly love. It is, it is very, very well known that I have a, 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 a love, a love, love relationship with Chris Carson. And though I'm not happy with the way that, uh, that Carson's been handling the ball, like a loaf of bread the last couple of games, I think he's going to get over that. No worries, flock. But this in from Bloomy, he says in Carol, not being one of those coaches that gives up on a back just because he fumbles. The fourth and one carry went to who it needed to go to. Awesome effort to seal the game. And of course, he's talking about the ball going to Carson. Carson getting like two or three yards, doing what Chris Carson does. And then we're kneeling the ball after that. So I love that in. The thing is, if you're if you're watching the game, if you're inside the Seahawkers uh, podcast, Ring of Honor, or if you're out on Twitter, or if you're in our, in the Slack channel that we're all, we're all partying together with, you could just hashtag these things, 3i30, tag me, at Clinton Bond. You could tag Brandon. He'll see it, too, on Twitter. Either way, if we see it out there, we'll do our very best to get it into this weekly segment that we call 3 in, 3 out. And, Brandon, I think there's uh, maybe only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. 